Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 11. This is what we're going to be kind of discussing and unpacking here for the next few minutes. Um, This passage, if you have kind of subtitles in the midst of it, you'll see that it's broken down into three sections. An interaction between the followers of John the Baptist and Jesus, Jesus' rebuke of unrepentant towns, and the Father revealed in the Son. What's so interesting to me about the beginning of this chapter, you look at the first three verses, and we learn that John the Baptist is in prison, and his disciples come because John the Baptist is wrestling with some serious doubts. This is what verses 1 through 3 say. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Now, this might seem puzzling to you because this is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, and the same one who baptized him at the beginning of this gospel. So, you might be wondering, why is he having doubts right now? Because he so boldly claimed earlier, like, look, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And I think back to their stories. I bet Jesus and John the Baptist grew up together being aware of who each other was to be. If you're not as familiar with John the Baptist, his parents were old and unable to conceive as well. And it was while his father Zechariah was in the temple, an angel appeared to him and told him that his wife would have a child and they were to give him the name John. And he doubted in a sense of like, not so much like I have these tough questions that I'm wrestling with, but like, is God able to do this kind of doubt, which is different from Mary's in, in, in the beginning of the gospel. And so he's quiet. And then eventually his son is born, John the Baptist. He's the one who leapt in Elizabeth's womb when Mary came as she was pregnant with Jesus. And then Elizabeth has this song she sings and is just amazed at God's goodness and his grace and that he would allow them to be part of his salvation plan. So I imagine John being told this story on repeat growing up. And I have it hard to believe that if uh, he didn't know about Jesus' story either. You know, when Elizabeth and Zechariah are sharing what happened to them, um, Mary and Joseph got to be like, yo, you should hear what happened to us. And talking about the angel's visitation, the Holy Spirit's conception of Jesus, the escape to Egypt, Herod trying to kill them, the Magi bringing gifts and all these things. So I say this just to help you understand that I'm guessing Jesus and John grew up together being aware to some extent of their partnership in the ministry. And then it makes sense when John is preparing the way. He's living out the the prophecies. Make a path for the one in the wilderness. You know, this one who's coming is the Messiah. I'm not fit to untie his sandals. John's baptizing with, you know, water and repentance. But Jesus is going to come and his baptism is going to be of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a work of God. So with all that in mind... You read, read the verses we just did, the first three verses, and John is in prison having some real serious doubts about who God is. Now, I, I give you that just to give you some grace. I think there are times in our life, if we're all being honest, where we have questions that come to mind and we're not able to make sense of things. Here it says that John, who was Jesus' very own cousin and grew up with him, 
and was the prophet who prepared the way for Jesus to come, was also wrestling with questions. He found himself in a really hard spot. Um, He eventually finds himself in jail for calling out some sin of a political leader. We're going to talk about that in the next podcast. But he's wrestling with doubts. And so I want to bless you and encourage you to ask your questions. It's not a sin to doubt. It's important, though, you pay attention to what you do with it. If you turn it towards the Lord and Christian community, air out your concerns, talk about your doubts, try to interpret Scripture as Scripture, make sense of who is God in this passage, not just who do I think He is based upon my experience, who does He say He is in the Word, and you go from there. So ask your questions, wrestle with it, but do so in a Christian community. And Jesus' response to this question now, though, is a fruitful ministry. In verses 4 through 6, he says, Go back and report to John what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus is saying, I have a fruitful ministry. The prophecies are being fulfilled. It's all about the kingdom of God and Jesus fulfilling these things. What an incredible scene. Now what happens next is that the scripture intensifies. It talks about how the kingdom is going to really become almost a battle. Uh, Jesus is talking about how the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. I think about that in verse 12, and then verse 13, it says, All the prophets of the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When I think about um, what's happening here, In the opposition facing the Lord's church and the disciples, Jesus himself, there's a spiritual battle at hand. Jesus is saying it's getting violent and it's going to continue to stay violent. And so while we don't respond violence with violence, we also have to intensify our following of Jesus, our life of prayer, our life of fasting, our life of sharing the gospel organically. Because Satan's going great lengths to end this. And God is inviting us to great lengths to tell people about his love and his kindness, the forgiveness and grace that only he can give. We got to really step in. When I was reading this, what came to my mind was that parable from Luke 14. It's a parable of this banquet, this wedding, and and the, the host tells his servants, go out and invite everybody to come. And people respond like, yeah, sorry, I got other things to do, and I'm not sure if I can make it, and oh, I'm busy over here, and at the end of that, it says, go out and to the highways and the byways, to the hedges and the roads, and compel them to come in. Compel them. Make an effort. Put your best foot forward. And so that is an encouragement for us to not only match the opposition of the world, but just to keep your eyes focused on God and his kingdom and stay on offense. We stay on offense and we continue to bring the light of the Lord by the power of the Spirit into places and relationships and realms of darkness so that God will be glorified. That's what we're invited to do. So I want you to think about that practically. What does that mean for you? What does that look like? To not just sit back and be lethargic, to not sit back and be on the defense, but to step up and be on the offense, make an effort, step forward, respond to you know, the attacks of the evil one with the kindness and the love of God, preaching the name of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And so what happens in verses 16 through 19, Jesus rebukes these people. He says, who am I supposed to compare this generation to? 
They're like children sitting in the marketplaces calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Basically saying some of you have come to be entertained. Some of you have come and you're not satisfied and not fulfilled with the message of the gospel and the kingdom of God coming and the miracles of Jesus. There are people who say, you know, perform for us another miracle, Jesus. And when Jesus says no in the gospels, he's calling out their heart posture. He's saying, you just want to be entertained. I've spoken parables. I've recited scripture. I've told you how I've fulfilled the old prophecy. These are like the words of Jesus. And that's not been enough for you. I've raised the dead. I've healed the blind and the crippled. This isn't enough for you. You want another sign. He's like, I could do signs all day till the cows come home. And you're just going to be entertained and then move on to the next thing. And Jesus rebukes them. He rebukes them saying, I want true repentance. I want people who are going to follow me. I want people who are going to join me and pick up their cross and come. And I love verse 19. Verse 19 is such a beautiful line. I used it in the sermon a while back. It says, the son of man, you know, Daniel reference there. He came eating and drinking. He was the friend of tax collectors and sinners. So as you and I make an effort to respond to the violence against God's kingdom in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm, You remember that Jesus was a friend of sinners, and we're called to be friends with people who are in the world. We're not the ones being influenced by the world. We're the ones who are called to be the influencers. We're the ones called to speak of Jesus and walk into a room and bring the light of Christ and to set the tone and to be inclusive and kind and hospitable and to speak the truth graciously. We're not here for entertainment. Jesus, a friend of sinners, came to bring the kingdom of God, and he went to the people who needed it. And that's what you and I are called to do as well. As I read verses 20 through 24, it transitions, and Jesus is talking about this rebuke that's extended to unrepentant towns, meaning there were people who heard about God, maybe even encountered the Lord, and didn't repent. And essentially, he's saying, Woe to you, Chorazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Because if miracles were performed in you that were performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. And essentially what he's saying here is, you know, we've been doing ministry in this Galilean region in Judea, and you want nothing to do with it. You're still not turning. And it's almost like he's saying, you have a responsibility. When you've been exposed to the things of God, you have a greater responsibility to pass the things of God on. I heard one one commentator say, the greater the light, the greater the responsibility. The truth is for you and me in the Western world in the United States, we have a great responsibility because we have had so much given to us. The gospels printed out in different versions, all saying essentially the same thing. We've got the gospel in different languages. We've got commentaries helping us understand the gospels and the scriptures and the Bible in parts that we don't, we have a hard time making sense of. We've got it on our phone. We've got it in the book on the shelf. We've got it on our computer. We've got sermons and podcasts like this right here. We have so much given to us. You got to pass it on. And just to think too that when Jesus talks about Bethsaida, he talks about Chorazon. In the Bible, there's no mentioning of miracles done in these cities. I think about the end of the Gospel of John. John essentially says in chapter 21, verse 25, Bible's not big enough to contain all the miraculous things Jesus did and all of his teachings. Someday you and I are going to get to heaven and hear about crazy miracles Jesus did in Chorazon and Bethsaida. We're going to hear about other teachings he preached that just didn't make their way into the scriptures. 
And that's what Jesus is essentially saying. You guys didn't respond to that. So when it comes down to verse 25, Jesus is encouraging some of us and rebuking others. He's basically saying that at that time, I'm going to praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father, Lord of heaven, because you've hidden the things of this, the gospel, the kingdom of God. You've hidden them from the wise and the learned. You revealed them to the little children, to the babies. What's the difference between the wise and the learned and a baby? A baby's dependent. A baby knows the baby can't take care of itself. It needs its parents. The baby needs he or, he or she's mother, needs the father. They need help changing their clothes. They need help eating and drinking. They need help burping. They need help doing all these things. And Jesus is saying, when you understand your spiritual state, you're going to come to understand the kingdom of God in a beautiful way. You're not going to make sense of everything. The Bible has answers for a lot of our questions. But at the end of the day, we have to realize we can't save ourselves. And that's okay because that's why Jesus came. He came for you. He came for people in your life that you're going to tell of Jesus to. Because there a, comes a point where we're all tired. We're weary. We're discouraged with the things of this world. And that's how this chapter actually ends. Verses 28 and 29 and 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is essentially saying there are things in this life that are going to become really heavy for you. Even just your labor, that's going to become a burden for you. Some commentators say when he transitions to talk about those who are heavy laden, that might refer to the burdens other people put on you. And he said, I've come for that. I've come to take all these things for you. The yoke of Jesus is not like the yoke of the world. It's not meant to be heavy. It's not like the religious leaders who say, you got to follow all these rules or you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Jesus says, I stand under that yoke with you. My burden's light. It's easy. I've come, and you know what Jesus wants for you? Look at the end of verse 29. He says, I've come so that you will find rest for your soul. In a hurried, busy, anxious world, that's what you and I need right now. Our souls need rest, and that's what you get when you come to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. He didn't say, Go to your priest or go to your pastor or go to your mom or go to your dad or go. He is a, extends a personal invitation to himself, the God man. So I'm, I'm all for therapy. I, I encourage you to go. I'm encouraging community groups. I'm encouraging Bible studies. But at the end of the day, you got to have this personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what he's inviting you into. He says, when you walk with him and you repent, when you're in the word, when you're in worship, when you're in Christian community, you're going to experience the touch of Jesus and you're going to experience rest for your souls. So anyways, this is the end of the chapter. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Sorry we had to take a little hiatus this week trying to recover. I'm hoping that we'll be back with you next week. We'll keep you updated. Um, one quick announcement, and that is on Sunday night, again, for those of you who have families, children, uh, Bobby and I would love to see you on the Zoom call. You can reach out to christy.palmer at erc.la and get the Zoom link. We're going to talk about um, how to have healthy habits in your home, having mealtimes, how to have hard conversations with your kids, what's a good rhythm of life look like, how do you be a healthy person and be parented by God, and how does that translate into your parenting of your kids. And we're going to just encourage you to network and connect and talk with other parents that are in the same boat as you. What's going well, what's not, how can we encourage one another? So it'll be a collaborative thing. 
So God bless you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. The Lord bless you and keep you. He'll make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.